Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We've been talking about faith for healing. And before I get into it, just want to share with you that if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, and you start reading from there, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10 in particular, and you discover certain things. We have many instances of people being healed by our Lord. He came down from the uh, mountain where he gave his discourse on the Sermon on the Mount. Someone else needs a copy over here. A Sermon on the Mount. And when he got done preaching and teaching, he came down from the mountain. When he came down from the mountain, a leper came to him and said, if you will, you can make me clean. So we start with there, with that particular testimony. And what do we grasp from that? I do believe that when the Spirit of God selected these particular testimonies, he did so, so that we could learn some things from them. They're not there just to be there. But they're written for us so that we could be taught by them. What we see here is this man knew that Jesus could heal him, but he didn't know if he would heal him. In other words, I know you have the power to do it, but I don't know if you have the will to do it. Will you heal me? And Jesus said, I will. And he said, really, the standard for time and eternity, that it's the will of God that we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. Then right after that, we see a Roman centurion coming to him. And when he goes to him... We know that uh, he wants his servant home, who's lying, lying at home, sick of the palsy, etc., etc. And what does Jesus do? He says, I'll come and heal him. And no, no. The man says, no, no, no. You don't need to come to my house for the work to be done. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And he talks about how he's a man under authority. So, number one, the first thing we see is it's the will of God for people to be healed. Number two, we discover that with this man's understanding of authority, he opened up the door by faith to the healing power of God. And Jesus said, I've not found so great faith in all of Israel. Be it unto you, even as you said. So now we see a second incident. Then the third one, after that happens, he walks into Peter's house and he sees his mother-in-law sick of a fever. And he just touches her. And she's healed. So we see it's the will of God with the leper. We see it's authority, understanding authority with the centurion. The third one I can only think of that he is, is that he heals mother-in-laws. That's about the only thing I take from that, that he heals mother-in-laws. But, but, well, or we could say it was the touch of compassion that healed mother-in-law of Peter. So, And then the next one we see... Uh, what takes place is in the latter part, verses 16 and 17 of Matthew chapter 8, we see they brought many that were possessed with devils, and he, he healed out were sick, and cast out the devils healed out that were sick, that it might be fulfilled by what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So this one we see a confirmation of the redemptive work of Christ on Calvary. He knew many would contest that, but you can't in any way go against what Matthew said by the Holy Ghost. 
And so we have a confirmation of Jesus' finished work on Calvary includes healing of our physical bodies. Then after that, of course, it just goes right on down. We see someone that's possessed of a devil, or I should say devils, at the Gergesenes. And this man is just overwhelmed with all this demonic power. Uh, they wouldn't even go near this guy. He breaks chains and fetters and, and all that sort of thing. But Jesus comes along, casts the devil out of him, which proves that he is greater than all these demons put together. And it doesn't stop there. Then a woman comes to him. It's got an issue of blood. And we see that situation occurring. And what do we grasp from that? Without Jesus even knowing who touched the hem of his garment, she did it. And he said to her, your faith has made you whole. So now we see the importance of what? Your faith. So it's the will of God that we be healed. We need to understand authority and its power. We know that he heals by the touch of compassion. And now we know he cast out devils. He's greater than any, any devil or demonic influence or force. This woman with the issue of blood, she is healed because of her faith reaching out to Jesus without him even knowing it. But then also we have another situation where the ruler came in between all that and said, my daughter is dying, and he said, I'll come and heal her. And then, of course, he got there, was laughed to scorn and all that. He's more powerful than death as well. Even death, yes. even death itself could not create a problem for Jesus. Why is he writing all this? Well, it just goes on. Two blind men came to him, and they said, we want to see. He said, well, do you believe I can do this? I believe. We believe. Okay, according to your faith. Then let it be done to you. Now we see once again the importance of believing and the importance of faith. And one after another, after another, we have another one who was dumb and he was possessed of a devil. He couldn't speak. He was possessed of a devil. Jesus cast him out. Teaches us what? There are spirits of infirmity that cause sicknesses and diseases in people's bodies. And they have to be dealt with and cast out. It's not always something that's physical. It is a spiritual thing that was behind it that created the physical condition. And as you continue to study the Gospels, you find out that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom everywhere he went. And everywhere he went, he was teaching, preaching, and healing. That was what he did when he was on this earth. And we see throughout the Gospels, he healed multitudes of people. But each and every one of these particular situations revealed to us certain truths that we need to understand so that we could be let's say, more aware of how we can cooperate with God so that we can receive our healing. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that Jesus is the healer today. And I believe that he wants people to be whole. And I don't believe the problems with Jesus. So look at Mark's gospel, chapter 9. Here's another situation, another incident, we could say. When he came to his disciples... He saw a great multitude about them and scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him and saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye among them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he takes him, he tears him and foams at the mouth, foams and gnashes with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and said, You people have wonderful faith, but it's not the will of God for him to be healed. 
That's a wrong translation, huh? What did he say? Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Someone said, I've been here. I've been there. I've been everywhere. Have you gone to Jesus? Have you gone to Jesus? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. One translation says since he was an infant. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. Now, listen, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, yeah, I could do everything. He didn't say that, did he? And he said, no, no, no. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. The guy was putting it on Jesus. And Jesus said, it's not on me. It's on what you can believe. Because you see, God's already established his ground. He knows what he's done. What can I believe is the question. So the man in verse 24 says, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my, thou my unbelief. What a request. What a prayer. Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible, him believes. I believe, at least to the extent that I know I can believe. But apparently there's something lacking or missing. So help my unbelief. And of course, that's what we discover. If you read on, you discover that the young man was healed when Jesus cast the devil out. But just for a moment before I go any further and we get into this testimony, what do we learn from this experience? It could be the will of God. It is the will of God. Let's put it that way. For people to be well. It was the will of God that this young man, he, if it happened since he was a child, I'm assuming he's not a child any longer, right? So he must be older. Let's just say he's in his 20s. Can you imagine you being the father or the parents? And you've got a child that's suicidal and tries to throw himself into the fire to be burned or into the water to be drowned and does this often, often, often times it says, oft times he throws himself into the fire, he throws himself into the water. Can you imagine watching a child like that be so concerned what's going to happen next? Do you see how desperate this man was? Do you know why he said to Jesus, if you could do something? Because he went to his disciples and the disciples could not cast him out. The disciples could not help him whatsoever. Now, these are elite men. These are men walking with Jesus, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't get the job done. People would have walked away and just said, well, if, hey, if, if these others couldn't do it. So this man now has once again been disappointed again. And he goes over to Jesus and says, 
Man, if you can do something, have compassion on us. And Jesus just stops him in his tracks and just says, no, it's not what I can do. It's what you can believe. And nothing will be impossible to him that believes. And he does cry out, okay. That was a cry of humility. Man, I'm believing with every fiber of my being. Whatever's lacking here, help my unbelief so I can better cooperate with you to get the job done. How did he help him? By casting the devil out and healing his son. Can you imagine where his faith went after that? It soared. Wow. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, I know my son, he was suicidal. He was demon-possessed. You know what? Jesus set him free. Can you imagine how he'll go on from that point in believing and proclaiming the good news of Jesus heals as well as saves? Look at Psalm 78. These verses really speak so strongly to my heart. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God. And everybody say limited. limited. Say it again, limited. limited. Wow, limited, the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How he wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. So what happens here? They limited the activity of God in their lives. The unlimited power of God was limited as far as its operation in their lives, not because of God's inability to do something. He's not deficient in power and resources and strength. No. But he was limited as to what he could do for them. Why? Unbelief is the official reason. Did he get them to the brink of the promised land? Did he provide for them food and shelter along the way? Did he protect them, care for them? A cloud by day, a fire by night. 4,500 tons of manna every single day. 11 million gallons of water out of a rock every single day. Did he provide all that for them? Heat and air conditioning. And it goes on and on. And finally, meat, etc., etc. But when he got to the promised land, they absolutely refused to believe that God was bigger than the giants and bigger than the walls. And so Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 makes it very clear. So we see that they could not enter in. Why? Because it wasn't God's will? Why God didn't make a way? No, they couldn't enter in. Why? Unbelief. Let's, let me do a survey here. How many believe that God has unbelief? Does God have unbelief? I don't think so. Right? But... Do we struggle with unbelief? Absolutely. And where's the limitation? On God's ability? Deficiency of power? Or is it on my end, my unbelief? My not cooperating with him to get the job done? Okay. And so we've been talking about how you can retain knowledge, but even though you retain knowledge, it doesn't mean you have active faith. We've got knowledge with the stripes I'm healed, but do we have an active faith in that? And that comes only by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it's important that we understand our need to cooperate with God. Why? Because it's not magical at all. It requires on our end, on our part, a cooperation with God. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She said, if I touch his garment, I will be healed. And she set out to do so. And with every hindrance that was there to stop her from doing it, she said, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to get to his garment. And you know what? When she did, guess what? He said, your faith made you whole. Not my power. Your faith made you whole. 
When you think about the man that was born of four and he was let down in the sheet right there before them, remember that story? And what happened in that situation? What did we learn from that situation? There's a connection between what? Sin and sickness. Isn't that what we saw there? He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And they said, how can you forgive sins? And he said, you want to know how I can forgive sins? Let me say, what's easier to say? Your sin's forgiven or rise up and walk? This man rises up and walks. There's a connection there. So we learned that as well. So you see, when it comes to the, this ministry of healing, oh, thank God he's already made provision for us, but it's up to us to learn to do how to do our part so that we can receive from him what he's already provided for us. And this testimony of this woman of healing, her name is Gertrude uh, Tyser. Everybody have a sheet? This is so powerful. It is so impacting and that's why I wanted every one of you to have a copy of it so that you could take it home, you could digest it, you could look it over, meditate it. And especially if you're in need of deliverance, if you're in need of healing, if you're facing a difficult situation, this woman, they put the sheet over her face. And it was only because she moved her little finger that they saw she was still alive. And this is her story. So if you recall last week, if you were with us last week, I shared with you six periods when it comes to healing. Number one being preparing ourselves. Number two, the planting season or period where you plant the seed of God's word. Number three, then you believe the seeds planted and you continue to act on that. Number four, a fighting season where you resist, you stand against the opposition of the enemy coming against you. And then the praising season, where we praise him for the answer. And finally, the last one is the experiencing season or period. So those are the six periods. If you didn't get that teaching, I, it'll be helpful. Get it. But here we have the story of this woman's healing. And I want to highlight some things. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to highlight some things because it's so important. So that we can have a better understanding of how we can cooperate with God. I want you to notice in the first this is under where it says healed of multiple sclerosis. First line, I want to tell you about a miracle and this miracle happened to me. Isn't that nice to know? It was not somebody else, but her. How? By one prayer. Now notice this next statement. After I had the correct instructions about divine healing. Did you get that? Yeah. When did she get her healing? After she got the right instructions. Now this next paragraph is really something that speaks to my heart. Everything we receive from God comes through his grace by faith. How many times have we made it very clear that it's by faith we experience or tap into the grace of God? Faith is required on our part. I had multiple sclerosis for more than 15 years. I could not walk around without stumbling and falling. Many times I was in a wheelchair. I often broke my bones, but I firmly believed that the Lord was, and everybody look at this, I've underlined it in mine, going to heal me. Going to heal me is a future state, 10 statements. statement, right? He's going to heal me. Okay, so keep that in mind because hope Always points to the future. Faith never points to the future, but hope does. So this woman was operating in hope, and you say, well, is that good or bad? Well, that's really a good thing. Why? Because faith is the substance of what you hope for. 
And if there's no hope and all hope is gone, well, then faith has nothing to give substance to. Can you see that? Faith is the substance of our hope, and her hope was to be healed. And she was clinging to her hope. If there is no cure for the illness, humanly speaking, it matters not. Healing comes from God, and there is nothing impossible with him. Isn't that wonderful? Now look at this next paragraph, because this really hits me in the gut. My church did not teach divine healing, but the Bible does. You want to know how my heart went out to her when I read that? And you know how many churches are the same way here even today because they don't want to have anything to do with it? Oh, they'll say God heals, but they don't want to teach on the subject of divine healing to teach people how to receive from God, how to cooperate with God. And trust me, I can understand why. Oh, glory to God. I was about raked over the coals out there in the parking lot of our church because someone came up to me. This was after a, a, a viewing a viewing of someone that, was, uh, that had passed, I was doing the funeral. Pointing their fingers in my face and blame me for the person's death. It's controversial. I understand that. But that doesn't mean we have to back off. Blame me. It's your fault. It's your fault. I said, well, how is it my fault? It's because of what you teach. It's because of what you teach. I said, really? Well, what do I teach? Do you know what I teach? You want to know what I believe? And someone who was also in the medical field walked, heard the conversation, walked over and said, calm down, ladies, just for a minute. Uh, sir, what do you believe? I said, I believe God wants us all well. And he wants us to use any and every means we can use to get well. Whether it's medical science, medicine, whether it's holistic, whether it's natural and I also believe, I said, that God has made provisions for our healing, and we need to employ every avenue. He stood there and looked at the two ladies and said, he's right. He didn't do anything wrong here. But you see, people want to blame someone when something doesn't work. And I understand the hurt, but people make their own decisions as to what they're going to do. My recommendation would be this. You need medical attention, get it right away. Get it. But don't throw aside your faith. Get a hold of God's word. Get a hold of the teaching of God's word. Get, learn to cooperate with God. Get to a place where you don't need the medicine any longer. Years ago, people would do silly things like, their child's on insulin, take them off of insulin because by stripes you're healed. That's okay if, if you understand what you're doing. But if you just throw that medicine away and your child dies, then what? I want you to understand something. I've done my best to give balance to the truth of God's word. God wants us well no matter what we choose to do. Be led of the spirit of Almighty God for your situation as to what you need to do. And if your faith is not at a place where you could believe apart from the medicine, then keep on the medicine until your faith gets at the higher place. Okay, so let's read on. So if your church does not teach you about divine healing, your Bible does it teaches it. Isaiah 53, verse 5, with the stripes where you're healed. And Isaiah 59, 1, that talks about the hand of the Lord is not too short 
to save. He, he hears you and he saves. Now drop on down uh, to the third from the bottom, the third paragraph. I became more and more paralyzed. One doctor told me that the day would come when I would be completely blind, and thus it was. The optic nerves were paralyzed, leaving me completely blind. Then one day they told me not to stay alone, for before the next 24 hours would go by, I would be completely paralyzed, and so it was. So she was now blind and paralyzed. The ambulance came and took me to the hospital, but on the way I said to the boys that took me, you forgot something. They answered, what did we forget, Gertrude? I said, you didn't bring my shoes. Oh, they said, what in the world is a paralyzed person going to do with shoes? You can't use them. You won't need them. I said, oh, yes, I'm going to need those shoes. One of these days, the Lord is going to heal me. Notice again the future. And I will need these, those shoes to get out of the hospital. I believe with all my heart that God was going to heal me, but I did not know how, underline that, to appropriate my healing. So she was operating in hope. Can you see? She's operating in hope. He's going to heal me. He's going to heal me. But I didn't know how to appropriate it. Many people came to pray for me. I firmly believe that all, my pray all the prayers that were said uh, by my family and friends in my behalf were heard by God. When we pray in faith for someone, God hears and considers that prayer. Perhaps the answer is delayed, but it's never denied. While I was in the hospital, I had three heart attacks and one stroke. Every time they would put me under an oxygen tent, I would think there's room for two, Jesus and me. Uh, the nurse would come and say, don't say a word. You must not waste your breath. One does not have to speak in a loud voice to Jesus. I would pray and feel his presence. And I knew the answer was on the way. Notice how this is always pointing to the future. This is my prayer. Oh, Lord, make me whole again. Don't just make me better, but make me entirely whole again. I remember how Jesus asked the impotent man, will I be made whole? And I answered that question. Yes, Lord, make me entirely whole again. Remember our first step, preparing spiritual preparation for healing. The Lord had to deal with me concerning many things. I had to work in the church. I had worked in the church for 25 years and thought I was doing pretty good. But the Lord thought otherwise. Hmm. One day he said to me, do you love your neighbor like yourself? All the time and all of them, I answered, no, Lord, how can I, when I, when some I don't even like. <laughs> She's honest. <laughs> wow. Well, now remember, he's dealing with her. He taught me how to love them through the love of Jesus Christ. Yes, you can love your neighbor through the love of Jesus Christ. He dwells in us and we in him. So it is possible to love others such as he loves them. The Lord also dealt with me concerning doubt, fear, and unbelief. We're talking about preparing. He's preparing her. Oh my goodness. Things that I had never considered as sin. For three months he taught me about those things that were within me that were not according to his holy will. I finally became completely paralyzed so that I could not do one thing except talk to Jesus. I knew that the Lord was with me, and when we know he is with us, we can stand on all the disappointments in life. One day they covered me up with a sheet, for they thought I was gone. I could move one hand. So when they saw that move, they came and took the sheet off. That's pretty bad, wouldn't you say? Faith 
unmovable. I was always thinking those that came to visit me, or asking those that came to visit me to bring my shoes. No one responded for everyone thought I would not need clothes or shoes. It wasn't their fault. They did not know Christ as their healer. I would say to them, bring me some shoes for when the Lord heals me, I am going to need them. Notice again, it's all pointing to the future, right? He's going to, he's going to, he's going to. One day the head doctor came to see me and said, Gertrude, I would like to know your attitude about yourself. The night before I had suffered much thirst as spasms produced thirst and they would not give me water at night for fear that I would swallow my tongue. Now came the question. I want to know your attitude about yourself. I asked him if he wanted an honest answer or if he wanted me to joke. He said he wanted an honest answer. So I answered, I do not see myself lying here less than a human being. Hmm. Then he said, how do you see yourself? I said, I see myself walking with shoes on. Oh, he said, I'm so happy to hear that. I agree with you. No. He said, I am sorry I ever asked you that question. Who needs a person like that? But that will never be. You will never be different from what you are now. So I answered, according to you, I will never be different. But you do not have, but you have not considered my Lord. One of these days he is going to heal me and, when I, and I will walk with shoes on. His answer was, oh, that is your imagination. That's not very encouraging, is it? Not very supportive, is it? Not at all. Mm -mm. So you can see, even though she's looking to the future and saying, he's going to heal me, even that is being targeted by the enemy to discourage her and give her a different picture of herself. He thought that, for he did not believe the Bible. But I know that God gave me a faith vision concerning myself walking, just like he gave Abraham a vision when he was to go to a far country. So here's a visual she doesn't see herself lying there that way. She sees herself healed, but she doesn't know how to appropriate it. I was tired of being in the room, and that paragraph just talks about she wanted to go outside and have them carry outside, but they said, we have to carry the whole bed and all that. It's just not really practical to do that. So in the last paragraph, I was frantic, for I had no way of knowing, I'm sorry, wait a minute, under the divine answer. One day a woman came into my room, Beatrice by name. Thank God for the Beatrices of the world. And asked me, do you believe that God can heal you and do you want me to pray? I answered yes to both questions and she said a short prayer and left. As she was leaving the room, an audible voice said to me, I sent this woman to you. Now, she said, I was frantic. I had no way of knowing what the woman looked like. I was blind. So I called the person in the next bed and asked them to call the woman. When she was by my bed, I said to her, God spoke to me and said that he sent you to me. Beatrice said, I am so glad you called me back. I was in my home in Maryland when God spoke to me and asked me to come to Las Vegas, Nevada and visit all the incurable wars and ask people if they wanted me to pray for them. He added around asking. I'm sorry. He added that one day a woman would say to me that God sent me to her. I was getting tired of the, a cold shoulder as I went around asking, do you believe God can heal you? And do you want me to pray? So even though God sent her to do it, she was getting nothing but derogatory remarks. And she was getting tired of it. Look at the next paragraph. 
Oh, I am so happy that Beatrice obeyed God and traveled from one end of the country to the other to do his will. You know how far it is from Maryland to Las Vegas? 2,400 miles. Now, in my, my little brain here, I'm thinking, didn't somebody in Las Vegas know this truth that she's about to share? He said, someone all the way from Maryland, 2,400 miles away. And all he says is to her, just go to the incurable wards and ask him, you believe God can heal you? Do you want me to pray? Okay. Well, once she knew that she was to pray, she was to pray for, she started to fast without food and water. In spite of the terrible heat, she obeyed our Lord. Every evening she would come to the hospital to pray for me, and every day I was worse. She found me on July the 1st, and three nights after that on July the 4th, she was told that my grandson, who lived in the same city, had been called and asked to make arrangements to take care of my body for her funeral. When she got to my bedside, she asked, and here we really got to hear with listening ears, do you still believe that God can heal you? My answer was yes. She asked, even now? Again, my affirmative answer. This time she asked. Do you realize that this is the last opportunity? It has to be now or never. My answer was, yes, I know. Beatrice then said, if I bring you a glass of cold water and place it here on the bedside, here beside your bed, do you believe that if you would drink it, it would quench the terrible thirst you have? Oh, I said, that's easy to believe. She said, now if I bring the same glass of cold water and place it here by your bed, but you do not drink it, would you still believe that it would quench your thirst? But you would still be thirsty because you did not drink the water, though you believed. Let's read that again. If I bring the glass of cold water and place it here by your bed, but you do not drink it, you would still believe that it would quench your thirst, but you would still be thirsty because you did not drink the water, though you believed. Hmm. That is what you are doing with healing. You believe that God can heal you, but there is no contact of faith. It is necessary that you accept your healing in a definite way, even as you accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Are we getting this point? She kept saying, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me. He can heal me, he can heal me, he can heal me, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me. But how many of you know that's indefinite? There's never a point of contact. There's never a point where she actually says, I'm starting, it's the preparing period. But there's got to be the planting period that you actually plant the seed. And then the believing that you go on believing that you've received the healing. And she see. God sent this woman 2,400 miles to talk to her about a glass of water. Yeah. There are many sinners who believe that Jesus died for their sins and was resurrected from the dead, but they remain sinners because they don't accept salvation for themselves. That is what you are doing with healing. You believe that God can heal you, but it's necessary that you take this healing now. That is true faith. Oh, God knows the intention of your heart. He knows our spiritual condition. He knows our spiritual stature. He knows if we truly believe in his greatness and power. Beatrice told me to raise my hand and pray. I lifted my heart to God and raised my one finger that I could move 
and said to the Lord, Lord, I take my healing this moment. I take it like water. I accept it. I believe, but I'm afraid. Of a truth, there is no room for fear. Fear indicates unbelief. I said to God, I'm afraid that you will ask me, ask of me something that I'm unable to do. I fear that I'm not capable of fulfilling that which you would ask of me. The Lord spoke to me in an audible voice and said, go and say that God healed you. Go to those that believe in divine healing and go to those who do not. Those who mock and scorn and tell them that God healed you. I then answered, yes, Lord, I will go. It was at that point. That I saw Jesus standing by the side of my bed. And when I saw Jesus, I could see the entire room. Jesus restored my sight. I must say here that when I saw, I say, I saw Jesus, I saw all except his face, which was but a bright, a very bright light. The Lord touched me with the tips of his fingers and healed me completely. Many have asked, what did you feel? I'll tell you what I felt. A fire started to go from my head all through my body, and my body had been like ice. The divine heat circulated all my body. I started, it's, I started to feel my bones crack. My muscles were like cement. My hands and feet were all twisted. My body was a big arch. My head and feet touching the bed, but the rest of my body in the air. My bones ached as the Lord was straightening them, but it did not matter about the pain. For my eyes were on Jesus. When you have your eyes on Jesus, pain doesn't matter. He told me many things that night. He ordered me to stay in the hospital three days and three nights that I might testify to all that God had healed me and speak about salvation in him. Jesus said to me, I'm not returning you to your old life. You cannot live your own life anymore. I'm loaning your life to you that you may test my testify about me. I will take care of you. So I know I am living on borrowed time, but that does not matter. The important thing is that I obey him. Many people ask me, what did you say to Jesus? I tell you, when you're in the presence of the Lord, you don't say anything to him. You just listen to what he has to say to you. Uh, say, and you will hear it with every fiber of your body and you will never forget it. Now, I'm going to not read the rest. I'll let that up, leave it up to you. But the response to that, when she got up and she got healed and she walked, started walking through that hospital and they knew her condition, some nurses fainted, had to be carried out. The administrator there didn't want to even look at her because he said, if I look at you, I'm going to have to believe. <laughs> read it. Three days. They want her to stay 30 days for observation. She said, Jesus said three. I'm leaving in three. Yeah. Guess what? She wore shoes out of the hospital. <laughs> you can read the rest of it. It's so powerful. It's so impacting. But it's so teaching. See, I believe that this has been my call. This is what God has called me to do. Anybody can preach. But it's been line upon line, precept upon precept. People want the spectacular, and what they do is they forfeit the supernatural for the spectacular. Can you see how this woman, as long as she kept looking to the future, he's going to heal me. He's going, you know how many people I hear saying, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me. I know one day he's going to heal me. That's good. That's hope. That's future. Faith gives, but faith gives substance to your hope. You've got to get to a place that you say, okay, pre preparing season. The preparing season says this, Lord, what in me needs to be adjusted? She needed to be adjusted with her love walk, with an attitude that she had. She had to be adjusted in the way she saw things, the way she believed things. Can you see that? So, and some people get offended when you say that. Offended. Offended why? We're imperfect. He's perfect. We're capable of failure. He's not. He's infallible. We're fallible. Can you say amen? amen. So 
All it means is I've got to adjust. I've got to do something on my end, on my part. And that should not be offensive to us. We should welcome it with open arms and just say, okay. Remember, I tell you about the healing of endometriosis. And I say, I kept saying, God doesn't want us to have kids. God's will is not that I have any more children. He doesn't want me to have any more children. I told that to everybody that I knew until Jose showed me Psalm 128. And I went, oh, oh, you do want me to have children. I changed, not God. And when I changed and lined up with what God said, healing took place and two more two children came along. I got nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof, wanted him to shut it off. And then had three more. Let's not even go there. But these are the things she had to do to adjust. And she was at death's door. Now, please hear me. Next week, we're having a special healing service. And I'm saying it for next week because I want this week. I don't even want to pray for healing now unless we're really led. Prepare yourself. Prepare throughout the week. Take a day and say, Lord, search my heart. Try my reins. Am I not walking in love? Am I not forgiving? Am I in pride? Am I looking to the future and not cooperating with you by, I got to receive it now. Go over those six steps. I know sometimes people hear this and they say, oh, God's God. If he's going to do it, he's going to do it. If he's not going to do it, he's not going to do it. That's not true. Because God has saved every person on the planet if they would only accept it. But if they don't cooperate, they're not going to get saved and they'll be lost in an eternity in the lake of fire. Not because God didn't reach out, not because God didn't do something, but because they made no decision to accept what God has done. And so it's up to us to do our part. So preparing, the preparing season is this. Go to the word of God, read scriptures that promise you the answer, whatever scriptures you can find. Jeremiah 30, 17 says, he sent his word. It says that I'll restore health unto thee and heal thee of all thy wounds. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their instructions. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says, his words are life to us and health to all of our flesh. Matthew 8, 16, 17 says, he healed all that were sick. Why? To fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities. He bare our sicknesses. First, first Peter 2, 24 says, by his stripes, we were healed. And the Bible says, Mark 9, 23. All things are possible to him that believes, praise God. He sent his word. The Holy Ghost, Romans 8, 11, quickens mortal bodies of those that, with resurrection life. Find those scriptures and then also say, Lord, search my heart and try my reins. Am I not walking in love? Am I not doing what you said to do? Am I not forgiving? Am I walking in pride? Am I being arrogant or what, whatever? But I'm just throwing myself at the cross. I'm throw, surrendering my heart and will to you. Now, I am going to focus on Sunday, next Sunday, and when I come up to the altar, if I do it that way for prayer, if we anoint with oil, or whatever God speaks to your heart, that will be my point of contact. That will be my point of contact. Now listen to this. If you've already received your healing, and you just want to get in on the anointing that's here, the power that's here, you can still come to the altar and just say, I want agreement that the hand of God is upon me. I've received my healing. I believe I'm well. I'm whole by the stripes of Jesus. So just agree with me in the mighty name of Jesus and praise God. Watch the power of God just manifest. If one can chase a thousand, two can put what? Ten thousand to flight. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. And so 
by this teaching, what you're hearing here this morning, we've seen many, many that were infertile having children as a result of it. Many of them. We've seen one that really was in the womb that they said was, was the, the baby didn't have a heartbeat for I don't know how long. But the power of God came on this life and the child grew in the womb. This period of time, it didn't grow at all. But just like it came right back to where it needed to be and the heart started to beat once again. And I can go on and on and say how many situations we've had as a result of just what you're hearing, making little adjustments. And to be honest with you, the easiest thing would be to say, just to believe how people believe. Well, he's God. If he wants to heal me, he'll heal me. He don't want to heal me, he won't heal me. You know why? That pleases, that appeases everyone. It puts all the responsibility on God and nothing on us. Well, guess what? If he wants to save you, he'll save you. If he doesn't, he won't. How ridiculous is that statement? Isn't that ridiculous? He's already saved us. He's already poured himself out. He's already died the death. He's already laid it down. He already bore our sickness. He carried our pains. By his stripes, we were healed. We should be saying like the, the man said. Can we throw up those two verses again? Mark 9, 23, 24. And verses 23 and 24. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. I believe. Now, this is sincere. Help thou mine unbelief. If we're really sincere and we say, I take responsibility like the woman with the issue of blood, if I touch his garment, I'll be healed. Then you know what? We'll be open. We'll be open. Lord, what do I need to do? Remember I tell you about the lady that needed to get rid of bitterness? She got a creative miracle after she got rid of the bitterness. But as long as she was going to hold on to bitterness, it cost her her healing. Can you see that? You know how easy it is to walk away from that and just say, well, I prayed for her, but God doesn't want her healed. Mustn't have been the will of God. Uh, no, 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 no. No, bitterness was stopping the divine flow and it had to be dealt with. And once it was dealt with, a creative miracle took place. You say, but you're, seeing, you're, you're putting a lot on us. <laughs> I'm going to say it one more time. He's perfect, we're not. He's infallible, we're not. He's incapable of failure, we're not. He doesn't make mistakes, we do. He's perfect in all of his ways, and only our wives are. <laughs> Guys, you can applaud me for that. <laughs> Amen? Let's all stand.